0: Good morning everyone. Uh, for those of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet or didn't meet last week, uh, my name is Jeremiah and it's uh, really good to be here with you and be a part of this community. Uh, and we had to kind of dive into the sermon last week and I really didn't get a chance to to introduce myself very much uh, last week so I, I wanted to this week uh, just to, to give you a little context about myself. Uh, I am the the oldest of three children um, and that makes me the, the best of the three children. Uh, those of you who are oldest siblings know. Uh, and uh, uh, I uh, my, uh, grew up uh, in a minister's household. Uh, my, my mom's dad was a minister. My dad was a minister. Um, my mom has since passed on, but my dad is still, still with us. And, and I, am, I resemble my dad to a degree. That's me as a kid and my dad. Um, I was cute as a kid. I don't I don't know what happened really um, but I used to be cute um, and over the years of course uh, as you grow up you start like listening to, to other influences around you and, and you kind of stop letting your parents uh, make decisions for for you about the things that you're into and, and, and how you dress and how you present yourself and so I remember when I was in elementary I, I really I wanted really really spiky hair uh, for my, my, uh, my fifth grade picture, and my mom like made me compromise, and so I've got like the little swoosh in front in my picture, and that's kind of mortifying. And, and uh, then I got into to junior high, and uh, in, in late junior high, I don't know if you guys remember this style, but uh, Genko jeans, I don't actually have a picture of me wearing them, which, for which I'm very grateful, uh, but yes, I had a pair of these jeans and wore them with great pride when I was in junior high, um, and then I, I hit uh, I hit high school, and uh, <laughs> and and it was just a terrible terrible nerd, um, and uh, went like full on mullet and mustache and aviator style glasses, um, which is a little hard to see in my senior picture. Um, for those of you that are, you, you can see a better image on this slide, um, on this side of the, the room. But um, yeah, so I was very cool, very cool as a high schooler. Uh, went into to left left home, went to college, uh, found some freedom in college. Found grunge music and hard rock in college, and uh, so did the did the long hair phase in college, and got my Earring and my tattoo, and and came home for the very first time after doing that. My mother gre- greeted me at the door with a hug, and then stopped hugging and like put her hands on my shoulders and like turned me. And like, Who told you you could pierce your ear? Of course, she saw it instantly. Um, so I, you know, as you grow up, these things kind of happen, and you you become influenced by the world around you to. To express yourself in different ways, you, you, you want to find out who you are and the things that you like, but honestly, most of the time, aren't we really just kind of imitating what's around us at the time? Uh, being influenced by style, by culture, uh, by friends. Um, when, I was, when I was younger, I, I, and, and honestly, still even today, I, I, I'm, I'm influenced by, by cool. I, I'd, I'd love to be cool. I'm, I'm hyper-aware that I'm not cool. <laughs> but I'd love to be cool. And so I'm still influenced by that. And, and so, the, you know, the clothes that you choose and the jewelry that you wear and the, you know, the shoes. I remember, you know, really desperately wanting cool shoes. Now I just want shoes that don't hurt my feet. That's all I care about. But, I, you know, it used to be, oh, I wanted the cool shoes. Um, and, and honestly, that influence is part um of what we mean when we talk about being a disciple. We started talking last week about being a disciple, and, and when we talk about discipling and discipleship, and we use the word disciple in the church, uh, which is where we use it most often, what we normally mean is a disciple of Jesus, right? it's that, somebody that's following Jesus. But you can be a disciple of, of almost anything, really. Because a disciple is just somebody that's learning from someone else or following something else all it really means at its very basic level to be a disciple, that you're, you're following something or you're learning from something, you're being influenced by someone, you're patterning your life after someone or something else. And so uh, even though when we talk about discipleship, we normally mean that we're disciples of Jesus, we are, all of us, discipled by a variety of things in our life. We're discipled by style. And, and some of us, if we look back over the years, we might be very embarrassed. We pull out our high school yearbooks. Uh, some of you may be very embarrassed by the styles that you allowed to disciple you. Uh, we're discipled by, by entertainment, by movies, by television. So much of our concept of what love looks like comes from, from entertainment. Um, it really has a discipling effect on us. We're kind of patterning ourselves after what we see and experience in film or television or the internet or whatever. Um, We become disciples of of influence, Um, Instagram accounts, and we, oh, these people have such great lives and I want a life like them. You're only seeing their best selves. We all know that, right? Like Insta is fake, right? Um, it's, but we, we want that, and we, we want to follow that, and we allow it to influence us, and so we become a disciple or we 're discipled by brands. this of course, is really huge in our culture. we become discipled by by brands, and that kind of consumeristic mentality takes hold of us, and, and we become very loyal to a brand and and so I, I, I started with an iPod and after after an iPod, then i then I had to get an iPhone and and then an iPad and then a and then a mac and 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 then an apple TV and and I've begged my wife, please please don't let me get an apple watch I've got to stop somewhere I'm being discipled by Apple, right or discipled by whatever other brand it happens to be that I've latched onto and said oh, this is this is the thing this makes life good We're discipled by we're discipled by all sorts of stuff. We're discipled by sports, by, by our, our favorite sporting teams. We're told, you know, what to wear and what teams to love and what to, to hate. And I'm a, I've been discipled by the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I'm a Lions fan. Uh, I know the Lions and the Bengals play this year. I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of that. I'm, I'm, I'm debating whether to wear my Lions hat to church that day. I probably shouldn't, or I won't get out of here alive, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but I, So I'm a Lions fan, and all of a sudden, and that was fine, and I knew that as a Lions fan, I had to, to despise the Green Bay Packers. Those are our, that's my rival as a Lions fan. I have, to, I have to hate the Green Bay Packers. And then my brother moved to Wisconsin and married a girl from Wisconsin, and he became a cheesehead. And he bought stock, he owns stock in the Green Bay Packers. I had to rethink some things. I had to rethink some stuff about my relationship with my brother. Like, oh, you, you traitor. It's okay. We, we got over it. We, we actually go to games together. It's, it's fine. We went to a, the Lions-Packers game at Lambeau and, and had a good time, and nobody died. And, and the Lions won, which is as it should be. Uh, and we become discipled by our family. We become discipled by our friends. We become discipled by significant others. We enter into um, a romantic relationship and, and, and that influences us. We enter into work relationships and those relationships influence us. We enter into friendships and those friendships influence us. And so we're discipled by all sorts of things. We're discipled by capitalism and materialism and humanism and sexism and ableism and racism and fascism and I'm reminded of, of the great line from Ferris Bueller's day off you guys know Ferris Bueller this says, not that I condone fascism or any ism for that matter isms in my opinion are not good a person should not believe in an ism He should just believe in himself and I'm like oh yeah that's good advice Ferris and now I'm being discipled by a fictional character We're discipled by the nation that we live in. The particular set of values that are American. We're discipled by that. We're discipled by cultural values. We're discipled by, by political values. We're discipled by, uh, by the news that, that we allow into our life. Even, even the choice of which news uh, we allow to uh, ourselves to, to dwell on and to focus on, which news channel we prefer, which news source we go to becomes something that affects us and disciples us deeply. And these things um, all try to disciple us and we're discipled by so many things beyond this. And it's, it's a problem, right? It's a problem. And, and we allow these things To become the major influences in our life when we have said that we want the influence in our life to be Jesus. That we want Jesus to be the thing that disciples us. And yet there are all of these other voices clamoring uh, to disciple us. And and so often um, we find ourselves being discipled by all of these other things instead of Jesus. We want to be discipled by Jesus. We need to be discipled by Jesus. And Jesus continues to invite us to come and be discipled by him. And he is aware of this problem. He is aware that there are other things in the world that want to disciple us. There are other things in our life that hold influence and sway on us. And and he talks about that with us in the Gospel of Matthew. And if you want to follow along with me, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, For a little while today, um, and taking a look at a few verses from um, what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is a a long discourse that Jesus holds in the Gospel of Matthew uh, that begins in chapter 5 and concludes in chapter 7. And and, in these chapters, Jesus has, um, according to the Gospel of Matthew, a large crowd um, that is gathered around him. And uh, he is kind of up on a hillside, uh, seated there talking to the crowd. Uh, it, sermons were backwards in Jesus' day. The crowd stood, the preacher sat. I kind of think I'd like to go back to that. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but here we are. There's a crowd gathered standing around this hillside. Jesus is seated there on the hillside. And he begins to talk to this, this, what Matthew describes as a large group of people. And he lays out in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 kind of a, kind of a manifesto, really, if you will, for like this is what... The kingdom of God is when we live it out and it's this beautiful passage of scripture and tucked right in the middle of that is a, a little section in three stories three very quick stories that Jesus tells in chapter six of Matthew about what it means to choose what disciples you and Jesus comes to us and, and says yes I know that there are all of these things that are influences of the world and you have a choice You get to choose what disciples you. And so we pick up this um, story in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. Uh, This is verses 19 through 24, three very quick little um, stories from Jesus. Jesus speaks to us, and he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven... And no one can serve two masters for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Jesus tells us three very quick stories here in the middle of Matthew chapter 6 and if we're not careful, we miss in these stories Jesus' invitation to us. Jesus uh, comes into the story and he tells us, well, Honestly, he doesn't tell us something we don't already know. There are things in life that, that want to influence us. The thing that we so often miss is that Jesus is inviting us to choose what things we allow to influence us. Some of that is up to us. We get to make that choice. And, and so Jesus begins with his first story, and he tells us that we are discipled by whatever it is that we give our attention to. He tells us that we're discipled by whatever it is that we give our attention to. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. Uh, Something really quick that we have to dispense with. When Jesus says treasures in heaven, he's not talking about things that happen after we die. When Jesus talks about heaven in this context, and especially in the Gospel of Matthew, what he's talking about is the kingdom of God now and here, all right? And so what Jesus is telling us is that we have a choice. He invites us into a decision-making process and says, you have a choice whether you want to be discipled by things that are worldly or things that are heavenly. Do you want to be influenced by the world around you or do you want to be influenced by the kingdom, by the God stuff? What will you choose? What has more value to you? What do you treasure What do you give your time and attention and value to? Are we more interested in the worldly or the godly? That's a choice that we get to make. We don't have to allow the worldly to be the thing that disciples us. We get to choose. We can choose the godly instead. We can value um, God's word. And choose to spend our time there. We can value prayer. Choose to spend our time there. We can value worship. And choose to spend our time there. We can value caring for the sick. Loving neighbors. Being generous people. Those can be the values that we choose to cultivate in our life. So that we, we say no to being discipled by the world. And yes to being discipled by the kingdom of heaven. What do you value? What do you what gets your attention? That's your treasure. And wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be, Jesus says. So what is it that you value? What is it that that consumes your time and your attention? That's the thing that's discipling you. And it's it's our choice, Jesus says. He invites us in to choose. It doesn't have to be the world, it can be the kingdom. Jesus says we can make that choice. He also says that we are discipled not just by uh, what we give our attention to, but he, we're also discipled by our perspective. He has this really weird teaching about eyes. Um, he says, you know, the, the, the eye is the lamp of the body, and, and then he talks about whether your, your eye is, is healthy or uh, whether your eye is unhealthy, and it's, it's honestly, it's, um, I'm not 100% sure what to make of this. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's stuff in the Bible that I just kind of go, I don't know. Uh, And sometimes I just kind of try to move on. But it's right here in the middle of the passage. So I felt like I had to figure out a way to deal with it. So I started doing some reading and I started doing some research. And I started asking some people that know more than I. And and here's here's a possibility for what Jesus is is talking about here. When Jesus talks about eyes and, and good eyes and bad eyes, healthy eyes and unhealthy eyes, uh, there are scholars who think that what he's talking about might be um, a Mediterranean phenomenon that still exists today in, in cultures around the Mediterranean of giving someone the evil eye, all right? Or we might call it the stink eye today, all right? That, that it, it, is, it is almost in, in, in these cultures that surround the Mediterranean, Italy and Greece and, and, and Israel, it's almost a way of cursing someone, all right? It's almost a way of, of saying, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Uh, and this is what some scholars think that Jesus is talking about when he says, are, are you looking at people around you with a good eye or with an evil eye? What's your perspective on the world around you? If, if you look at the world around you and the people around you and you look at them with a, with a good perspective, with a godly perspective, with a hospitable perspective, well, then your whole self is filled up with light. But if you look at people with an evil perspective, if, you, if you, all you want to do is curse them and get them away from you, you don't want anything to do with them, well, eventually that takes a toll on who you are, doesn't it? And you fill yourself up with this, this curse that you're trying to give somebody else. That is, that is one way to look at this passage. I think that that there may be something there to it. But either way, there's, Jesus presents us with a choice still in, in this story, just like he did in the first one, right? Darkness or light. You get to choose what you're filled up with. You get to choose that. And the Bible kind of corroborates that again and again and again. And the Bible calls us children of light. That we're supposed to be children of light. That we're supposed to have nothing to do with the deeds of darkness. We get to choose. We get to choose whether we're filled up with light or darkness. And, and part of how we choose that is how we interact with the world around us, our, the perspective that we have. Is everything terrible? Is everything awful? If you choose to see it that way, sure it is. And honestly, who wants to be around people that think everything's awful all the time? Or, or is God at work in the world? Is there hope in the world? Is there love in the world? Do we believe, like we sang today, that, that God is love and that we're built for that? That's a, that's a kingdom perspective that fills us with light. Jesus invites us to choose. You get to choose. What will, uh, what will disciple you? What perspective will you have on the world around you? And so we're discipled by what we give our attention to. We're discipled by our perspective. We're discipled by what we serve. At the end of the passage, Jesus comes and he just bluntly states, you cannot have two masters. You cannot serve, and, and here in, in the, the English translations, most often it's wealth. You cannot serve both God and wealth or God and money. Uh, the King James um, uses the, captures the, the Greek word mammon, uh, which is, it is wealth, but it's more than wealth. It's almost, like, it's almost like if wealth were a deity. That's the word. If wealth itself were a God, that's what Jesus is calling us to choose between. And it's not just wealth, it's it's anything that becomes that God to us. It's anything that that has that that deep importance to us, that hold over our life, that thing that, that becomes so important to us that honestly we begin to treat it like a God. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's, what's most important? But whatever gets our time and our devotion and our allegiance and our admiration and our service, whatever we give ourselves to, what are you serving, Jesus says? You cannot serve two masters. Bob Dylan captured that beautifully in his song. You're going to have to serve somebody. It might be be God, it might be the devil, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We don't like to think, in in those kind of terms, we like to think that we're our own person. We We don't have to serve other people, but we do. We end up serving whatever gets our time, whatever gets our attention, whatever gets our energy, whatever gets our devotion. What are we serving? We get a choice in that, Jesus says. You can choose. You can choose God, or you can choose the mammon thing, the thing that, that isn't a God, but you kind of behaving like it is. What's discipling us? Do we even know the answer to that question? Like when we talk about being disciples, we kind of automatically go, well, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm following Jesus. That's what, that's what I want to do. But, but is it really what's discipling us? Every now and again, I think we need to take some stock take a look at at our lives maybe we've just assumed that we're a good disciple of Jesus but but really we're being discipled by something else maybe we're being discipled by busyness maybe that's the thing that has a hold on us or or maybe we're being discipled by outrage man, that's huge in our culture we're becoming disciples of outrage everything outrages us for some reason or another maybe we're, we're disciples of of stuff, that we just, we cannot stop ourselves from accumulating more things, and material possessions have, have become the thing that disciples us, or, or maybe it's work, or maybe it's entertainment, or maybe it's, maybe it's something else altogether, something that hasn't even crossed my mind, but it's, it's there in my life, trying to get my attention, trying to get my devotion, trying to, 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 to get my perspective, and it's becoming my master. When we get to choose, Jesus says. You can choose. You want to choose kingdom stuff or world stuff? You want to choose light or darkness? You want to choose God or man? What do you want to choose? And it's a hard choice. And sometimes it seems impossible. And it, I feel like I messed that up a lot. I feel like I choose the wrong thing again and again. Anybody else? Anybody else feel like you choose the wrong thing? Here's the good news. Jesus doesn't invite us to choose him just once. He invites us again and again and again. Even when we've chosen the wrong thing. Even when we've chosen the wrong thing a lot. Even when we've chosen the wrong thing over and over and over. The good news is that Jesus is still inviting us to follow him. And Jesus knows that we don't always choose well. And so he comes into us with forgiveness and grace and allows us to choose him again. He comes to us with his Holy Spirit and says, I know that you don't always make good choices. Let me give you my Holy Spirit. The more time you spend with the Holy Spirit, the more it will lead you into righteousness. It's a promise of Jesus in the Gospels. And that's good news. And I'm grateful for that. That Jesus keeps inviting us. That we always have an opportunity to choose Jesus, again, no matter what. So uh, this week, there's some stuff that, that I want to do, uh, and I want to invite you, if you're willing, to do this with me. There's two things that I, I really um, am going to try to make a priority this week, and, and the first is this. I, I want to spend some time this week. I want to try to carve out some time out of the, the crazy busyness of life um, to sit down, literally with a, a pen and a piece of paper, and, and start kind of making a list of the things that I allow to disciple me. I want to know, like for real, what are the things that I'm allowing to have influence in my life? How much time or energy or money or attention am I giving to those things? What are they? Uh, and if you're so inclined, uh, that's something easy to do. Uh, that is not homework. You do not have to turn that in. All right, That is for you. Okay? Um, But I want to take some stock of the things that are discipling me. What am I spending my time and my money and my attention on? And maybe you would like to do that with me this week. And if so, um, I invite you to do that. And then I also want to make uh, this a matter of prayer this week. Because I know, um, like a lot of times I try to willpower good decisions. Like I'm going to willpower myself to follow Jesus. And like the next thing that I know, I'm way, way somewhere else. I don't have enough willpower for this. I need Jesus' invitation. I need his forgiveness, and I need his spirit. So I'm going to spend some time this week praying for those things. Say, God, would you reveal to me the things that I'm allowing to disciple me that I shouldn't? Would you send your Holy Spirit to set me on a correct path? Would you make me aware of your invitation again? Would you extend your forgiveness when I screw this up? I just want to invite Jesus into that space, decision-making with me. Yeah, the choices are ours, but but man, do I need Jesus' help to make them and then to stick with them? So I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to spend some time praying uh, over this. Uh, if you're so inclined, I invite you to join me in that. Uh, we are all of us being discipled all the time. We're being discipled by all sorts of things, by whatever it is we value, by whatever we give our time and our attention our priorities and our admiration and our service to. so what if what if we realized that what if we realized that the things that we allow to fill up our life aren't just filling up our life but they're actually discipling us they're, they're affecting who we are They're changing who we're becoming perhaps we would start making some different choices with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the help of Jesus Perhaps we would lean in harder to Jesus and say, you disciple me, Lord. You disciple me. Teach me the things I need to let go of. Help me to follow you. We want to enter into a time of communion today which is uh, many, many things. But at the very least, it is a moment to come before Jesus and to acknowledge that, that he is the one that we want to follow. He's the one that we want to be discipled to. It's a moment to come and say, I know that there are other things that have filled up my life. Stuff I'm I'm not proud of. Stuff I don't even know. Jesus, help me set that stuff aside. Help me come back to following you. Uh, So in a minute, uh, we'll come um, and receive the the elements of, of the communion, the bread and the juice. Uh, And after everybody has um, been served and is back to their seat, we'll take those elements together. But before we do that, uh, we want to come, as we do each week, um, in a moment of confession, uh, admitting that we are not perfect people and we don't have it all together and we've allowed the wrong things to disciple us. And so uh, we want to invite you into this time of confession with us. And and whatever posture you want to take during this time of confession, It is up to you. If you want to stand with me, you may. If you want to stay seated, you may. If you want to kneel, you may. Uh, Whatever seems most appropriate and comfortable to you. Um, As we uh, uh, come before the table, would you join me in uh, this confession together? Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed Amen. When you're ready, please come and receive the communion. the night that jesus was betrayed he had a dinner with his friends and in that dinner he took bread and he broke it and gave it to each one of them and he said take and eat each of you this is my body given up for you in the same way after dinner he took a cup and he shared it with his friends and he said drink from it all of you for this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins would love to now just invite us into a time of communal prayer if there's something that God has laid on your heart this morning invite you to speak it aloud pray it aloud we can hold it together as a community might be a praise might be a lament or a longing if you'd like to pray for someone in particular invite you also just to lift their name up doesn't have to be a complex prayer but pray as you feel led this morning let's go before God together